Hey guys, welcome to the Babylonian Pastor Podcast. My name is Michael. And I'm Rob. Stay with us as we talk about church, theology, culture, and everything in between. Hey guys, welcome back to the Babylonian Pastor Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything amazing. I'm your host, Michael. Or is that? That is that a different guy? <laughs> no. We just read about... Uh, Okay, no, different, different guy. My bad. Okay, so, so not in fact an archangel. That's that's my fault. No, not not an archangel. Uh, though I don't know if that's maybe who I was named after. I don't know. I mean, I have the physique of an angel, or so I'm not told. Okay, so um, <laughs> we're, we're getting it today. Uh, if you missed the first two episodes, you're going to probably need to at least pause this at, at the very least and read Jude uh, verses 1 through uh, 13 because we've talked about that in the first and second episodes. And those are, I don't know, kind of c- important contextually <laughs> to what we're going to read today. Um, today is actually a shorter section. Uh, we're only doing 14 through 19 uh, in this. But this is where we kind of, I mean, Jude is continuing sort of the theme that we've looked at in the first couple episodes, uh, uh, the judgment of God uh, against uh, those that rebel, essentially, is what we've seen at this point. Not only those that are rebelling currently in the church that Jude is writing to, but throughout the history of God's people. So I'll I'll read real quick verses 14 through 19, and then we're going to kind of dive right in. Starting at verse 14, It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all all their deeds of ungodlessness that they committed in such ungodly ways and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are gluttons, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. Uh, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Um, so a lot of kind of the same thing <laughs> that we've been uh, looking at. Again, just sort of um, pointing back essentially to point forward, uh, specifically uh, referencing the book of Enoch here, which I think is uh, well, we can chat about for a minute um, a- as well. So, Yeah, so um, Enoch... What what do we know about him from our scriptures? Uh, seventh from Adam, <laughs> uh, and and that he didn't die. He didn't die. Yeah, like that's the big Bible story. Uh, um, in the who 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 didn't die? Eli and Enoch, right? Yep. Um, uh, that's that's those are the kinds of things that do make the flannel graph in Sunday school back yeah. in the day, right? Um, but Enoch is actually. Um, something that again he's quoting from and you mentioned in a previous episode about him quoting from extra biblical sources Mm -hmm. um so the book of enoch would have been something that um jewish uh, first century jewish people would have looked to Mm -hmm. it was a, a, a um a book that wasn't um authoritative in the same way that 
um, the Torah or the prophets or the Psalms or, or, or whatever it would have been. Um, nevertheless, it was like the Apocrypha is kind of, um, it's, it's some of the things in there are historical documentation, some things that you can glean from for sure. It's just not necessarily authoritative over someone's life the same way that the scriptures are. Um, so anyway, but he uses the, the book of Enoch, um, and he quotes from Enoch chapter one, verse nine. Um, and it, it's actually this. Uh, it's actually good that he quotes from it, but what, what Enoch says here um, is exactly what he, what Jude has been talking about um, the whole time. Uh, He just very plainly says it. Um, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly, um, of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such ungod- <laughs> ungodly way. He's trying to make a point. <laughs> all the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Um, there's a lot of ungodly happening there. And like that's the, the, um, the point of, of what Enoch had to say. I think it's interesting too, that he calls Enoch. Um, I mean, essentially he says he was a prophet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he prophesied this. Um, and so, um, that you wouldn't get anywhere else if, uh, Jude didn't say it here, really. I mean, um, and, but yeah, so the book of Enoch is something that adds, I think too, uh, we talked in a, a previous episode, um, last month, uh, about, I think it was last month. Anyway, the, the, when we talked about the, the Nephilim and all of that oh, yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really recently, um, the uh, the book of Enoch actually helps um, add some context. Um, yeah, some it talks of the, more depth into what happened there. Yeah, adds adds some context into the scriptures, at, at least as to how um, uh, the the scriptures that we have, how the people who read them and wrote them would have been thinking. You know, uh, because of the culture and the the things that they believed and had been taught and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, and I, I think it's important here when we're especially, so I think the, 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 the distinction you made is important for a lot of people to understand. So growing up, I'd assume most people's growing up in church, even though obviously age different and, and, and cultural difference as far as like where you live is going to vary. But by and large, most of the time, the book of Enoch is not talked about. Definitely probably not going to be read. Um, but this idea that even, even, even the disciples had an understanding that there were more authoritative scriptures than others, I think is important. But they weren't afraid to shy away from referring to them when they, when they, when they believed that they were actually helpful in understanding the more authoritative words that had been spoken. Um, and I think sometimes depending on what circles you run in, uh, as far as within Christianity, some people would not even want to talk about the book of Enoch. (laughs) They'd be like, it's not in the Bible. We ain't reading it. Well, Jude specifically references it as, uh, as something that isn't necessarily authoritative, but is incredibly helpful, um, in regards to, 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 to pointing out exactly what he's saying is an issue here. 
Um, and I, I think also good call on the whole um, Enoch being a prophet of his day, at least in the sense that he, he's seen. And I think this goes back again to what we've already talked about. Like the problem Jude's dealing with isn't a Jude only problem. The problem we're dealing with is an our time only issue. Like this goes back all the way back to the fall. Like there's always going to be ungodly people doing ungodly things, following ungodly passions. <laughs> I mean, it's, this isn't new, um, which is, I think, what he makes that connection into verse 16, but he also talks about it in verse 17 and 18 too, where he's saying like, this isn't new. This shouldn't be surprising to you, but when it is surprising to you, just remember that we've already talked about this before. Like, I think sometimes we're so shocked by sin because we're so sanitized to certain situations in life there are, or, or like maybe how we were brought up or what we understand to be true uh, and the lives that we've seen change that when you come in contact with horrible things, it's a little shocking to you. But Jude's point seems to be like, yeah, that's kind of always happened. <laughs> So don't be surprised by it. Yeah, I, I think that um, it's, it's actually um, neat to me that he uses, I mean, he could have used any one of the prophets mm-hmm. because I, the, there isn't a, a prophetic book in scripture that you couldn't have said the same thing from at some point, right? Yeah. The, the idea that God uh, and, and his hosts are going to execute judgment um, to uh, execute judgment on all good, bad, and ugly, right? And, and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds um, and, and of deeds done and deeds spoken, essentially it says, right? But, but this, is, this is throughout all of scripture. He could have used any one of the prophets. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's neat to me that he uses... Um, Enoch, who was seventh uh, from Adam, right? Mm-hmm. From that long ago. And um, this, is, this is someone who long before Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, but long before any of these other prophets that we think about walked the earth, um, this is someone who... Uh, was a long time before them and who was saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it still holds true. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, um, and, and you, you talked about how you shouldn't be surprised about it. And, and he actually says that, which I enjoy. Right. He, he, um, because it, it is a surprise. I mean, to us, you know, I think I think about the the um, the culture today in which we have you'll have a someone who you watched preach or something for a long time and you think, oh, that that dude's great. And then you see him like spiral downhill or blow up in a volcano or something. And it's like, holy smoke, I had no idea. And then there's this letdown. Mm-hmm. Right. When um, and some of that some of that. uh could certainly be the the um you know you you look up to that person too much and mm-hmm. and not, you know but but i think some of it is just genuine like man you know like genuine 
struggle and, and mourning and disappointment because someone that either you thought was a, a strong believer, but isn't even a believer mm-hmm. or someone who you um, just looked up to and thought was a strong believer has proven to at least be a, an immature baby Christian in some ways. Right. Um, so there's a, there, there is a real kind of mourning thing that happens there. And I think part of it is because you feel like you get gut punched a little bit. Like, I don't know if, um, I don't, I assume because you're, um, uh, so with it, uh, in, in the, the culture today that, so um, currently, I don't even know the word to use. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I assume that you at least heard of or listened to part of the Mars Hill thing. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Right. So that, that's a good example of what I'm talking about. Right. Like that, um, there, there's, there's a bit of that, that if you're, uh, particularly a dude who, um, was coming of age Christian in your Christian walk, um, under kind of Driscoll and, and the whole Mars Hill thing, then you, and you listen to that, no matter what conclusions you draw or come away with, you listen to that, there are going to be moments where you feel like crap, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is the same thing when, when uh, Jude is actually saying to them um, in verses 17 and 18, look, you, you have to remember the predictions of the apostles, right? Like this is not a, a new thing. It, we shouldn't be, we cannot be surprised by this. Satan is at work the same way that God is. Uh, Satan doesn't want this thing to succeed, even though God has said that it will. Um, they, they said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. So again, he talks about ungodly passions, like the, the want to of the flesh, this idea of sensuality. And um, so, but the, the fact that it shouldn't be a surprise, it doesn't make it uh, go away mm-hmm. when you're surprised by something like that. But, but it does, I think, give us a place to land, right? That like, mm-hmm. instead of just having a rug come out from underneath us and realize, oh, wait, now I'm Wiley Coyote. There's literally nothing under me. The rug was on nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can realize that, no, there's a floor under it, um, you know, and uh, the, this, this did surprise me because I wasn't expecting it. This, this does make me kind of grieve because it shouldn't be like this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, see somebody fall or when, uh, when um, the ones that make the news are the ones you hear about, but, but we all know this in our own personal lives, right? Like people around us who fail or fall or fail us or whatever, um, maybe don't act like Christians one day, <laughs> right? Um, but that, that kind of thing shouldn't surprise us, right? This is a war yeah. <laughs> that's going on. Well, and I think that is a really important distinction in regards to exactly how, what he's speaking to as far as how they probably feel about it. Cause they thought they were doing great. They thought they had it all figured out, but yet there's these people in here doing these things. And I, I, I think it, it does go back to sort of his main point that he's making that like, we have this proclivity that we're going to try to make it a, like our authority uh, we're we're going to put that on people. We're going to put authority on people. We're going to put, you know, weight on people. We're going to give them the, you know, and he's talked about, well, when we talked about last week with, uh, with Archangel Michael and like 
disputing with the devil. He said, the Lord rebuke you. The idea being that God has the authority. The thing that these false teachers are doing, they're trying to usurp God's authority. They're trying to speak over God's authority. Mm-hmm. And tying that into what he's saying here is that, you know, th- this was predicted. This idea that I think sometimes we, we really overemphasize our own goodness or our own expectations um, so that when the rug does get pulled out, we are a little surprised by it because we don't think we're as, we don't think sin is as possible as it really is. Mm. So when that rug gets pulled out, we are surprised because in our head, we didn't think that they or we or the situation could ever get that bad when that's actually sort of the default position without Jesus, without understanding that God is authority over all things, that without him, that's where we would instinctively be. Um, and so I think that's part of the surprise too, is that like, so Mars Hill, right? So when, you know, I look up to Mark Driscoll forever and then that goes away and I'm just like, what in the world? Like the, the authority was put in the wrong place. The, the expectation was put in the wrong place. Um, no pastor is going to be able to, I mean, again, I think it was very important that you pointed out the sensuality part because it's not just sexuality. It's uh, lust for power. It's greed. It's, it's, it's want for to be known and have notoriety and have authority over everything. Um, yeah. And one of the things, and this was my mistake, but I think we could definitely go back and look at it in, in, in tying to verse six. So he, he talks about all of this and he says in verse 16, these are grumblers, malcontents following their own sinful desires, loudmouth boasters showing favoritism for gain is sort of uh, the continuum of this pattern where we, I, I is again my bad but we didn't look at it in verses in 12 and 13 as well last episode where and i know you were you were hinting at it and then i kind of skipped over it but uh where he talks about how they are there like these two things sort of go together where he's saying look they're only there for their own good they're only there for their own gain they're only they're going to shipwreck you they 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 look like they're bringing great things but nothing comes from them like um he's showing that like this is what these people look like. This is where sinful desire gets you. This is where sensuality brings you. This is where anytime you usurp the authority of God and say that you are better, your ideas are better, your way is better, this is what it's always going to look like. It's going to look really promising, but it's not going to bring you um, to a place where you need to be. So you can show favoritism, but it's just for their own advantage. They can boast, but there's nothing behind it to go back to verses 12 and 13, right? Like they, they're, they're clouds, but they're waterless clouds. They're trees, but they're fruitless trees. Like it's, it's, there's this appearance of this very promising thing, but behind the appearance, there's nothing there because the authority they're standing on is worthless basically. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, um, sensuality has is the common theme uh that's the thing that's wrong with the picture right the Mm -hmm. thing that at the heart of who these people are um in verse four calls them ungodly people who pervert the grace of our god into sensuality deny our only master and lord jesus christ um verse 12 uh he calls them shepherds feeding themselves right The, the very thing that you're there to do as a shepherd is to feed the sheep Right. But and rather than that, you're concerned with um, making sure you feel good. Right. At the at the end of it. And then mm-hmm. 16, following their own sinful desires. Um, and then they they're about 
they're there to gain advantage. Um, verse 18, uh, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It, it all is boiling down to, it's about me. I'm God. I am my own God. Feed me. Give me what I want when I want it. And don't ask questions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, well, so, yeah. So the, the biggest point here, and this is where I think it has a ton of connection. And I'm sorry if you can hear my dogs are going crazy. Um, I, no, good. Well, I just gave myself away. Very professional, high, high quality podcast here. So <laughs> um, the, the idea here in correlation to what we're seeing now is that you will have a lot of people that, and I've, I've, I've seen this tweeted. I've heard this on videos. I've had people tell me this that um, anytime you go back and reference, for example, scripture, uh, this is what God says. This is his decrees. This is what he has dictated and how we should live and what it should look like. Um, there's always this uh, either attack on what it says, or there's this weird twisting of saying like, well, you're making God the fourth part of the, or the Bible, the fourth part of the Trinity now, because you're, 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 you know, you're, you're worshiping the, the, the Bible because this is what it says. Um, and it's this, it is this usurping of authority of saying like, well, I know better than it. You're actually worshiping this, this, this scripture. Um, and so you're an idolater too, is essentially, it's basically a, a try, a, an attempt to twist it, to be like, well, you know, I, I know better than that. An uh, ignorant, ridiculous <laughs> argument. I'm just saying it's said all the time. And it's always said by people that don't want to be held accountable to what the scriptures have actually said. Um, in some and twists maybe, of weird maybe, irony. Maybe from now on, we shouldn't even word it like that. We should just say what God said. Because like, that's the point. <laughs> well, uh, they, they would immediately come back just like the false teachers and be like, well, God didn't say it though. He said it through, uh, he said it through men that can be mistaken and we're trying to understand him in the best way that they knew how to understand him. And they, they were flawed individuals and um, they got that one wrong. <laughs> well, everybody, at the same time, everybody who's listening right now, um, get on Google and search verbal plenary and believe that there then so, that'll solve it but <laughs> that'll solve, solved all your problems guys uh but anyway so that the, the irony of it is that that is essentially at the core of what he's talking about he's saying that these people are usurping their authority they're saying like you've already said it's all about me. And if God doesn't bend or my version of God doesn't bend to what I believe to be uh, what I should do, then, well, you're out of luck guys, because you know, I'm going to follow this. Yeah. And isn't it, isn't it ironic <laughs> that uh, it, it all, man, as you, as you look through the scriptures, right. And get down to the heart of all, like, um, some of this would have been sexual immorality. Some of it would have been other things. Some of it would have probably been grasping for power and the, the feeling of my authority, that kind of thing. Um, but, but as you look at all, throughout all scripture, right, and you, you dig around, you come back to the same old thing. Um, that this, this, this uh, following their own sinful desires 
right? Showing favoritism to gain advantage, following their own ungodly passions, um, pervert the grace of God into sensuality, shepherds feeding themselves. This whole idea of sensuality, following my own desires, my own flesh, I'm my own God, leave me alone, don't tell me what to do, started a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away in the Garden of Eden when uh, when they were presented with the very first opportunity to be God, right? And yeah. that, that's what they wanted to do. The first desire, the sinful desire within them was not, hmm, that looks like a really good apple. The, the desire in them was when Satan said, what? Did God really say? Yeah, did, that God didn't say that. He just doesn't want you to know that you can be like him. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right? <laughs> it's all the same thing. Um, over the and, and it still is the same thing today. Our, our culture, we've referenced it a bunch of times already, but our culture today is no different. Like that's the driving force behind all of it. I'm my own God. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me that I have to be this gender or that gender. Don't tell me that I have to do this or that. Don't tell me that I must be married or I'm in living in sin. If I do this with my boyfriend or girlfriend, don't tell me what to do. I'm my own God. That's always been the sin. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, again, I mean, going to all of it, don't tell me uh, how to spend my money. Don't tell me what life is right. and what life isn't. Don't tell me, you know, what, what I can and cannot say. Like all of it is or in regards to like toward other people, like all of it goes back continually to what you just said, like wanting to be the one in charge. Um, so is there any ending thoughts you have on these, these short verses here? Other than what you've already said in a very good way. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I think I just, um, I think I just puked it all up right then. No, that's good. That's good. Um, and I think that's surprised or hurt or disillusioned when you see sin in the church. I mean, honestly, it, mm -hmm. it should, it should lead us to do what Jude is doing. It should lead us to passionately understand that like it, it's, it's necessary for me to engage, right? Not as a jerk who's just coming and, and going, look, you're an idiot, right? But but as someone who's genuinely concerned, which we're actually going to see more of here yeah. in the next um, episode, but someone who's genuinely concerned for the church who might be led astray, um, and and even for those whom he's warning indirectly, you know, there there's concern there. It's not one of surprise because again, not only here but we have all through <laughs> through all over the place. You shouldn't be surprised when people's flesh takes over, right? It's just, it's part of our knee-jerk reaction sometimes when Jesus gets out of the picture a little bit and we find ourselves walking on water that we can't do, mm -hmm. right? So. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the, the last thing I would say, just really in verse 19, he's, before he kind of switches gears a bit, he does say, these are the ones that are causing the divisions. These are the ones that are worldly. And there's this last thing in 19 is a pretty pretty heavy uh criticism toward them and they are yeah. devoid of the spirit i mean these are the people that he's talking about are godless people they have not been redeemed they have not been renewed they do not have the spirit in them and that is a pretty again he's drawing a line there where it, it, making a them and us <laughs> a statement 
that they are not part of the body. They, they do not know who Jesus is, which he's already said that at the beginning of verse four, but just kind of reenter, kind of reintroducing that here at the end, um, warning them exactly who they're kind of dealing with um, so that they're aware that, um, you know, some of these people may not understand biblical reasoning because they don't have a way to understand it. They, they, they're worldly. They're thinking that way. They're devoid of the spirit. They're not going to understand spiritual things. Um, which I think he, like you said, I'm very interested to get in this last section next, this next week. Um, because I think he does, he goes from this really hard hitting thing to where, even though he says, I did, I wanted to write to you about our common faith, but I have to do this. He sort of still sneaks it in here at the end anyway, <laughs> yeah. because it's too good not to talk about. So, <laughs> yep. All right, guys. So, uh, next week, we'll be looking at 20 through 25, the end of the letter to Jude. Um, so go ahead and read ahead. I'm going to quiz you on it next week somehow through the internet. So I'll talk to you later. Bye. Go and sin no more.